Have you ever sat through a Relief Society lesson, heard an inspirational story about a woman who was born decades or even centuries before you, and wondered how in the world could her life possibly be relevant to yours? Well, that's what this podcast is all about. You'll hear parts of some prominent talks given by women throughout the history of the church. Hopefully, along the way, you'll be able to see how their experiences can apply to you. Welcome to the Latter-day Saint Women Podcast. I'm your host, Shaylin Back, and today we have two very special guests with us. We have Tiffany Bowles, who's an educator at the Church History Museum. Hi, Tiffany. Hello. Thank you for having me. And we have Katie Perez, and Katie is a stay-at-home mom of two, and she has read the book and is excited to join us and share with us her perspective. So hi, Katie. Hi. Thanks for having me. So the Latter-day Saint Women podcast, it's a celebration of the strength, conversion, conviction, leadership, and wisdom of the women of the church. And we take talks from At the Pulpit, which features talks and addresses and discourses from women throughout the history since the Restoration. And today we're really excited to talk about a, a discourse given by Sarah M. Kimball. It's called Our Sixth Sense, or the Sense of Spiritual Understanding. And as I was reading this talk, she just seems like a very forward-thinking and influential woman. What do we know about her? Well, uh, Sarah Kimball, she was a very progressive woman in her day. Interestingly, she was born in Phelps, New York, which is right in between Palmyra, New York, and Seneca Falls, New York. And it was almost a foreshadowing of her future because the two big parts of her life were the church and then women's suffrage, which uh, the cradle of the suffrage movement was in Seneca Falls. So throughout Sarah's life, she always saw a lot of potential in women. And it was really a product of her idea that the Relief Society came to be. And so Relief Society was always a big part of her life. Uh, She was the president of the 15th Ward Relief Society in Salt Lake for 41 years, which is a long time. (laughs) And uh, she was also very active in the suffrage movement. So she was a strong woman. She was born in 1818 in Phelps, New York. So uh, this year would be her 100th birthday, or 200th birthday. I'm not very good at math. But yeah, so 1818, and then she came to Salt Lake City in the 1850s, and then she died in 1898. So we see really throughout, or in during her life, she went from New York mm-hmm. to Kirtland, and she was in Nauvoo, and then she made it all the way to Salt Lake. So what I thought was interesting, too, about her introduction is that it says that she attended the School of the Prophets. Mm-hmm. How do we know this? Because traditionally, I just think of that as a gathering of priesthood men. Right. So what was she doing there, and how do we know that? Well, she wrote about attending the School of the Prophets, and I think she was just always seeking knowledge. And at the time she was in Kirtland, she was a relatively new convert to the church. And so I think she saw this as a great opportunity to learn more about her new religion. So she was an originator of the Sewing Society, and mm-hmm. that kind of was the beginning of Relief Society. But what was, so what was the Sewing Society? All right. So Sarah's husband, his name was Hiram Kimball. He was not a member of the church at that time uh, when the Nauvoo Temple was first being built. So Sarah felt like she couldn't really contribute any of their money to help build the temple because she didn't want to ask Hiram for, for money for the church. But she and her seamstress came up with this idea that they could sew shirts for the men working on the temple. So that was her way to make a contribution. 
and other women from the neighborhood started joining them. They met there at Sarah's house to sew shirts, and after a few times of meeting, they decided that they should form a ladies' society, which was pretty common during the 19th century to have groups of women organized to do things. And so they had Eliza Snow write a constitution for their society, and they presented it to Joseph Smith. And he he said, well, this sounds great, but I think that the Lord has more in mind for you. And so then he asked those women to join him at his red brick store on March 17, 1842. And that's when the Relief Society was organized. So here's a fun fact about Tiffany that I want to share. <laughs> so in her role as, the, as an educator at the Church History Museum, tell us what you do. All right. So I get to work on a lot of exhibits and public programs, but I'm also in charge of the Living History Program. So we have people dress up in pioneer clothes. And the person that I portray at the museum is Sarah Kimball. So I feel like I've gotten to know her on a pretty personal level. And so I have enjoyed learning a lot about her. Just in reading her name, Sarah M. Kimball, is she related to Spencer W. Kimball? That's a great question. She's actually not related to President Kimball. Uh, he comes through Heber C. Kimball's line. And Sarah's husband was Hiram Kimball. As I mentioned, he wasn't a member of the church. He did eventually join the church, and then he died on his way to serve a mission. Um, his steamboat exploded, which was quite a oh, wow. tragic death. But they had three children, and it seems that none of their posterity has really stayed in the church, um, whereas with Heber C. Kimball, he, of course, has a lot of descendants in the church. But Sarah doesn't, so it is a different Kimball line. Let's talk about this speech that's given at the National Council of Women, and it was given in 1895, and um, Sarah Kimball actually wasn't the one to read it, right? Because at that time, how old would she have been? She about? was 76 at 76. that time. 76. Okay, so she was probably yeah, what, not able to make it because of her age. probably a little bit harder to travel. And <laughs> What is the National Council of Women? This was an organization that facilitated other women's organizations throughout the country, and at that time in 1895, a big focus was women's suffrage. At that time, women in Colorado and Wyoming were able to vote, but women in other states were not able to vote at that time. So the National Council of Women, they did support other causes like prohibition, but a big focus at this time was women's suffrage. So right in the beginning of this talk, she says, you know, this topic is one of the highest benefits to womankind, which I thought was interesting. And she says, with our spiritual eyes and senses awakened and cultivated, we come into communion with infinitude. So it feels like a pretty bold topic and a very deep topic for this kind of conference. Is that true? Or what do you think? I think that the depth of her words might have even been too deep for some people. <laughs> I think that, well, and, and there's record of Susie Young Gates, who attended the session in which this paper was presented. She said that this was the best paper of the whole session, but she noted that it was so spiritual that it was not perhaps thoroughly appreciated by all. And so I think this was a very bold topic Sarah was not ashamed to express her beliefs, and it might have been a little too bold maybe for some people. 
Yeah, that's actually what I was going to ask. How did the women that were attending that conference, did they accept that? You know, how did they feel about her speech? Well, Sarah was very well respected as a speaker, and she was quite well known among suffrage circles because of her involvement in Utah suffrage, and, and she had gone to several national conventions. But I imagine that her paper at this convention was probably considered maybe a little too religious or too bold. Um, she talks uh, about Heavenly Mother, which she was very comfortable with because as a Latter-day Saint woman being pretty progressive, it was something that they talked about. But it strikes me that at that time, it was probably kind of unusual to be talking about things uh, that bold in such a setting. And let's actually read that quote because there's a few things that, I mean, I, I think 130 years ago, maybe the United States was a little bit more spiritual than we are today. And so I was wondering how they received this speech. But at the same time, there are things that she shares that could have been quite surprising to them. Mm-hmm. So this is the part where, like you mentioned, she talks about Heavenly Father and Heavenly Mother and our potential. Because although this is a very short speech, she really covers a lot of ground. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to share this quote. They that seek by faith and earnest prayer find the light that leads to the golden gate. They that knock with study and faith's assurance have the narrow way open to them and are received into communion with the infinite father and mother and are permitted to enter hallowed mansions to attend the school of the prophets and by advancing steps to reach the school of the gods where they learn the processes by which the worlds are organized. So what do you guys think of this? And, you know, when we can talk about the parallel between what the audience would have thought and then maybe what we think and how that relates to our day. Yeah, I one thing that struck me along with talking about Heavenly Father and Mother uh, was when she talked about the school of the gods. And I could just imagine women in the audience being like, what is she talking about? <laughs> and at that time, some religious philosophy, it was the philosophy of Theosis was the idea that ultimately our ultimate destiny is to be united with the eternal life and nature of our creator. So that was a generally known religious philosophy. But I think the boldness of Sarah's just saying it so plainly and clearly, uh, talking about exaltation and becoming like God, it probably surprised some people in the audience. I actually had a question. Um, Just in reading the topic, what is the sixth sense? Because I was wondering if it was relatable to like mother's intuition or something different. I think that that's a great parallel. Um, Sarah seems to think of the sixth sense as being kind of an innate sense to be specially sensitive to the spirit. And she talks about women being especially prone to this sense. And so I think a mother's intuition is a great comparison. And she talks about how it's something that's within all of us, but we just have to awaken it and cultivate it. Yeah, that was a question. Is it something we're born with or is it something that through practice or, you know, how can we cultivate Yeah, that? and I think Sarah would, would agree that, that it is something that we all have within us. But she talks about keys of knowledge. And so I think Sarah was a seeker of knowledge And I think she felt that by educating ourselves and learning more and thinking about these divine things, then that's how you kind of cultivate and develop that sense. I love that you said that, that it's something in us, but then we can learn to 
have it be a stronger thing within us. So I love this quote too, along with that. She says, when through our spiritual nature, we are in communion with God, we are drawing nearer and nearer to each other and our words and works will blend more and more harmoniously until earth's dutiful children, recognizing universal spiritual kinship, hail the peaceful millennial dawn and participate in the triumphant reign of our God and his Christ. And so again, she kind of uses a lot of words and, mm-hmm. and is very eloquent. But what I love is that she says, when with this sixth sense or our spiritual nature, we can commune with God, we draw nearer to each other too. I mm-hmm. loved that. Mm-hmm. And I just think, like I feel that mm-hmm. today mm-hmm. Uh, with, my, with my family and with my friends, when we talk about things of the gospel and we talk about our Heavenly Father and Jesus Christ, I feel that our relationships are strengthened. Mm-hmm. And I just appreciate, you know, Sarah Kimball's understanding of that. And that, you know, if she gave this talk or something similar in a, in a, general women's session today, mm-hmm. I feel like, you know, we could get a lot mm-hmm. out of this, even mm-hmm. though, you know, we hear a lot about the spirit and receiving revelation. This is just kind of a different perspective on that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. What are some ways that we can cultivate this spiritual sense? What are some ways that we can can grow this in our lives today? I think using Sarah as an example, um, seeking after knowledge, working together, the suffrage movement was very much a sisterhood of, of women from all over the country and really all over the world working together. And so it makes me think of things in our day, like when President Nelson encouraged all the women to do some specific things, like read the Book of Mormon, take a social media break. I think that when we're all working towards a common goal together, that kind of cultivates this sixth sense within us. And along with that, you, you've been mentioning suffrage, and it's interesting because toward the end of her talk, she congratulates those at the conference mm-hmm. uh, for all the good that they have done. And so I was wondering, you know, what was it that was going on at the time when you answered that? But she just says, your labors of preparation have been arduous. The whisperings of this sense have disarmed opposition and brought you to a large measure of victory. So it's interesting that she's pulling together their successes in these movements and mm-hmm. saying, it's because of the sixth sense that you have, whether mm-hmm. you know that you're using it or not, you're women and you're strong and you have this in you. Mm-hmm. So I thought that was neat that she tied that together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it's empowering too, after you read this, it's mm-hmm. like, I have something in me, you know, that's so incredible and you don't think about it, but mm-hmm. you kind of want to focus on how you can develop a, a little bit more. And interestingly, just three months after this speech was read, there was a convention held in Salt Lake City of the National American Women's Suffrage Association, and Susan B. Anthony attended that conference. And Sarah actually addressed the crowd at that convention just three months after this paper was given, and she was introduced to the audience as the pioneer woman of women's suffrage in Utah. And so I think that it's really cool to think of her words being read in Washington, D.C., and then three months later being able to celebrate the advancements in suffrage with women like Susan B. Anthony. And then in 1896, just a year later, uh, Utah was admitted as a state, and they again had women's suffrage in Utah. So it's a pretty cool coming together of events at this time. Okay, she's such an amazing person. Yes, she is. <laughs> this is so neat, and we would, I would have never known this had I not read this talk, and I appreciate you being here to share some of those sure. insights as well, because it's really neat to see how influential she was in the church, but also 
in the state and the mm-hmm. country at that time. Yes. That's yes. really incredible. And that she was yeah. recognized for that too, mm-hmm. you know, at her, in mm-hmm. her old age too, mm-hmm. all the things that she'd done throughout her life. Yes. So I love that she is so poetic and visual and you'll probably have to read this talk a couple times like me mm-hmm. to know <laughs> some mm-hmm. of the things that she's saying. But I wanted to share this quote and just think about uh, what this makes you visualize. The thought wave of many a prayer is wafted to you as inspiration and in reciprocal order. The highest expression of your combined wisdom must radiate and inspire receptive souls in all the world, stimulating them to higher hopes and stronger activities in the cause of more enlightened civilization and a more perfect understanding of divine science as revealed through our sixth sense or the sense of spiritual understanding. So I love that she's saying we combine our wisdom and the revelation that we receive, it moves as a wave Mm -hmm. and it hits, I guess, and inspires other souls that are receptive to that. And it's something that we can really be united in. Yes, I think it is interesting. And it was very interesting at that time to think of Latter-day Saint women as progressive, because with the practice of plural marriage, Latter-day Saint women were generally seen throughout the country as being oppressed. But then in 1870, Utah women became the first women to legally vote in a municipal election in the United States. Utah Territory was the second territory to pass legislation to give them the right to vote. Wyoming was the first, but the Utah elections were held before Wyoming's. So Utah women were actually the first to vote. And that surprises people a lot when they don't think of progressive uh, women's rights and Utah women together, but they really were at the forefront of that entire movement. And the 19th Amendment, which gave women all over the country the right to vote, wasn't passed until 1920. So Utah women voted an entire 50 years before the rest of the country, which is pretty amazing. And I think that Latter-day Saint women were also progressive in, in spiritual matters as well. And that's really well illustrated by Sarah's speech here, where she just talks so comfortably about all of these deep spiritual topics. And I think she would expect and hope that the audience would be able to understand everything that she was saying. But I don't know that they did, because it was very deep. Well, I appreciate you talking about the oppression of women and that (laughs) it was the perception at that time that women in the church were oppressed, because I feel like that's still perception today. Mm -hmm. And we do have women in so many leadership positions, and it's neat to see her example, too, Mm -hmm. you know, 130 years ago or whatever it was, Mm -hmm. that we get to see how involved she was and the opportunities that she had as a Mm -hmm. woman and as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And she was a very independent, I would describe her as spunky woman. In fact, kind of an interesting side note about her is that uh, she and her husband and they had two young sons. They remained in Nauvoo after the main group of Latter-day Saints came west because her husband had businesses there in Nauvoo. So they stayed behind, but she was anxious to come to Utah. Her husband was kind of involved in so many things that he just didn't really see the need to move immediately. Wait, and did you say, is he a member of the church at this time? Yes. Before he, yes. it took him a little bit longer yes. to accept so the Yes, so he didn't join the church until 1843. So by 1851, Sarah felt that they had waited long enough 
to move west. So while her husband was out of town, she actually packed up their boys and her widowed mom, (laughs) and they crossed the plains. (laughs) And then uh, her husband joined them a year later in Utah. So she just crossed the plains by herself. It's pretty brave. (laughs) Just, I'm going to pack up and go. Yes. So she was a very independent woman. So why do you think that this talk was included in the book At the Pulpit? I think that it just really shows that even back in 1895, Latter-day Saint women were very deep thinkers. And I think it is very applicable to our day, too, developing this sixth sense of uh, spiritual understanding. And so it's kind of a timeless talk because it was relevant then and it's still relevant now. Okay, thank you for joining us. We're so glad to have such special guests and especially some with such um, specific insights into the life of Sarah Kimball. So Tiffany, thank you so much. Thank you. And Katie, thank you too for sharing your thoughts. And thank you to our listeners for joining us today. And we hope you continue to um, join us as we talk about more of these talks that are included in At the Pulpit. This book is in print, but also you can access it in the Gospel Library app. It's in English, Spanish, and Portuguese. And you can also access it online at churchhistorianspress.org. I'm your host, Shailen Back. Thanks for listening. <laughs>